I'm Gene, and this is Perfect Flow. I'm a New Zealand-based athlete and coach focused on optimizing performance, health, and well-being. While I have a professional background in biomedical engineering, I've chosen to follow my more immediate passions for running, endurance, adventure, movement, nutrition, lifestyle, community, psychology, and personal growth. My goal in starting this podcast is to connect with bright minds to extract the information I need to live a life that makes sense and feels good, and share those conversations with others. Apart from your favorite podcast app, the best places to follow my work are perfectflow.nz, genebeverage.nz, and perfectflow on Facebook. Hey, Gene here. I hope everybody is well. Before we get into today, I thought I'd share a little bit about my training at the moment. And I think what I have to share is just a good reminder for everyone out there who's working away at their physical performance. So some may recall that I was injured for quite a long time, almost a year and a half, and I came right uh, about nine months ago. And of course, when you go from a low level of training to proper training again, you notice a pretty good improvement uh, in your performance. And I did, of course, but then I plateaued for about six months and finally broken through from that plateau into, I guess, what I'd consider kind of uh, elite level performance, at least uh, as um, applies to orienteering, yet to be proven whether I'm at elite level running performance we will find out this weekend actually is my first running race for a while but what I wanted to share is just some reflection on the psychological challenge of putting in work and not making progress and it's a tough one you begin to wonder whether you've maxed out Uh, in my case am I getting too old Uh, I'm only 30 at the moment so some would suggest for endurance sports uh, no Uh, certainly for faster stuff maybe and you begin to wonder if you're doing something wrong Uh, maybe you just need to work harder maybe you're second guessing yourself and eventually I uh, did some racing over summer and that kicked my body back into that uh, elite level of performance that I've um, come to enjoy for most of the past few years and yeah, just wanted to remind people that it's very hard to predict when your form increases. You can be training very consistently for weeks, months, half a year maybe, and just see no progress. Uh, but you are building up uh, those those miles there in the bank. And I think you've just got to persevere, stick to the program. If you're losing uh, some motivation and losing direction, then get a coach or just a, a mentor, someone who can help you stay on the path and I've stayed on the path and boom suddenly the form comes out of nowhere Uh, very hard to predict although racing does seem to help putting back-to-back days of high intensity stuff does seem to kick my body into gear or perhaps it was the fact I tapered into the racing it's very hard to predict Uh, and anyway it came so I'm I'm a happy chappy feeling fast and looking forward to Uh, racing over the coming weeks and months hopefully not too many events get cancelled so on to today's podcast I had a lovely conversation with Kim Sherman Kim uh, used to be an outdoor instructor and she's uh, now operating New Zealand adventure retreats 
So I hear a bit about the sessions she does with women who are getting into uh, adventure racing and uh, somewhere along their, their journey, often towards the beginner end of the adventure racing journey. And yeah, I hear some specifics on where her clients are at and what they find most valuable in the sessions that she offers. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Kim Sherman. Kim, thanks for coming on Perfect Flow. Yeah, thanks Jane for having me. So I'm interested to hear about the um, adventure retreats that you've been running and keen to see what it's like from um, your perspective. It's something that I'd um, wish I had some insight into, um, but it sounds like, yeah, you've, you've been getting pretty stuck in with a lot of new adventure races. I'm more connected with the kind of more experienced adventure races. And I guess I'm now only getting experience from the minority of the adventure racing scene because it's just exploded over the past few years. And so, yeah, yeah. you're seeing that the bulk of this explosion. So do not wind it back a little bit and just let me know how you got into um, adventure sports and, you know, t- out- outdoor pursuit stuff. Yeah. So myself, I was a outdoor started as an outdoor instructor. And so I had a lot of the, uh, basic skills needed I guess for adventure racing and it just naturally progressed from um, trail running I was competing in trail running and then the women's adventure racing scene um, started growing and so that piqued my interest and in, because I had the um, outdoor instructing skills in terms of the kayaking and the navigation um I just kind of fell into adventure racing. It seemed like the sport uh, that ticked all the boxes for me. Yeah. What What did adventure racing look like to you? Um, well, it was more about the adventure of it. Um, and I guess that it was a team sport. So with trail running, obviously, it's very solo and you're out there on your own. So um and the fact that it was a team sport and the women's adventure racing um it's very uh, non-threatening way to get into it um because you're just doing it with a group of mates and um yeah so it's like friends out for an adventure um but there's a lot of structure to it i guess so yeah it was an easy way to um get started yeah um did you did you find any of the longer treks kind of intimidating at that stage, getting getting up into the hills and up into the mountains? No, I guess it progressed. So when I started, I started out with uh, 12-hour ones, I think, or nine-hour, I think they were, nine-hour races. And then um, it just and, – and at that stage, yeah, you look at something like God's Own and it seems overwhelming and crazy, Um to be able to go for that long but then as you start working your way through um adventure racing in terms of the distances so you go from a nine to a 12 to a 24 to a 48 and an expedition um it doesn't seem such a big step um yeah so not not overwhelming i think you put yourself where you are at that stage so um 
as a beginner, yeah, you start off with the shorter races, but as you get a bit more experience, then it just feels natural to go for longer. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it's great that there are so many events on now that you can build yourself up without having to take a, a, a step that's too intimidating. Yeah, that's um, right. Did you also find that uh, there was this navigation component that was um, kind of coming in that uh, may have also been intimidating in a quite, quite a different way to the, the distance and the physicality of the sport? Yeah, so I guess there's a bit of pressure uh, on the navigation in a race. It's um, because you have got a team of you there and if you're the navigator, yeah, you want to be getting that right. Um, and the longer you go, the more tired you get. Um, and that adds another element as well. So, um, yeah, it is, it is a little bit different in that aspect. Do you find that some of the, um, the beginner and intermediate adventure races allow for like stepping stones with the navigation in the same way that they do with the duration? I think, yeah, I think the navigation component of adventure racing for uh, people new to the sport is often quite overlooked. Um, and it seems to be quite a last minute uh, thought for a lot of people um, that, oh, Jesus, we've actually got to read a map and use a compass to get around this. So um, a lot of people train uh, running, biking, uphills, um they might get in a kayak they might not but um yeah navigation um is something that's quite new and foreign to a lot of people so that's an area that um we've found we can really help people with especially the beginners yeah yeah that's definitely my experience as well it's 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 clearer maybe how to work on some of the other elements of the sport um, it's as clear how to make progress mountain biking uh, but maybe less clear how to make progress uh, with navigation. So yeah, I'm keen to get yeah. into more of that. Um, can you tell me a little bit though first about the New Zealand Adventure Retreats? Um, what is that and how long have you been involved? Yeah, so we, um, Naomi and myself originally started it up um, because we saw a need for retreats that were a little bit more challenging, um, had a little bit more of an adventure element to them. Uh, and so we were running summer, winter retreats uh, throughout the country, uh, largely based in Queenstown area. Um, so that's like skiing and, and mountaineering trekking stuff, or what does that involve? Yes, yeah, yeah. So uh, skiing, uh, backcountry skiing and snowboarding and um, snowshoeing, um, and yeah, we did kayaking, stand up pedal boarding, but also with a yoga element, um, yoga and nutrition wellness element in it. So I guess a, a retreat, but just a little bit more adventurous. So mm -hmm. um, an active, active form of retreat. Yeah, mm, that sounds like yeah, my yeah. my time away. Also, uh, I do like to spend time yeah, away, yeah. like to like get those relaxing elements in. But uh, also, yeah, I'm there for some long days as well. Um, I definitely always have that as a part of any holiday. Any good holiday has to have some missions. So, yeah, yeah, that, that, sure. yeah that, that's really cool. And I'm not sure what, like, what the, you know, the landscape is like out there for uh, operations like yours. I don't know who else is doing anything 
like this, but I don't really yeah, know of anyone else who's doing kind of, I know if you have, there's like triathlon and Ironman training camp kind of stuff, um, but certainly not with the, the adventure stuff. Do you know other, other groups who are doing that, that kind of stuff? Uh, we've actually teamed up with a, a um, retreat organization in the States who do trail running retreats. They're called Run Wild. Um, and so we just before lockdown happened, actually, we were um, had a whole lot of groups booked in to come over from the States. And um, so that's on pause at the moment. And hopefully mm. that'll kick off again. So so they run worldwide. So they do trail running retreats all over the world, which, um, yeah, they look amazing. And so we've put together a retreat for them here in, in New Zealand. So we're pretty keen to get them over here to so see the, the landscapes here. Yeah, that's amazing. So are they going to do trail running stuff or are you going to diversify it a little bit for them? Yes, yeah. So trail running um, as well as the yoga, hmm. nutrition, wellness aspects. Yeah. So what kind of people do you typically get to these adventure retreats? Uh, well, it's the women's retreats. So, um, yeah, generally women who feel like they need um, either a break or a, a challenge, uh, something new. Um, maybe they've, um, they were adventurous, but they've lost that a little bit and they needed a reintroduction. Um so they're people. They're not people who are, you know, have have done a God's own and are um, keen to up their skills. Where can I mean at the like the, the broader base of um, adventure races? Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. What we do with adventure treats is a little bit different to what we do with the women's adventure race skills weekends. So um, that's they're slightly different things. Um, okay. Yeah, I didn't actually know about so, those skills weekends. Yeah, so we run um, specific women's adventure race skills weekends where we work on um, upskilling women who are maybe just starting out in adventure racing, um, or have a little bit of experience in adventure racing. Um, and yeah, they've just exploded. They've, um, yeah, they sell out every time we run one. So. Um, there's big demand in, mm. in that aspect. Yeah. Oh, that, that's so cool for you guys. So yeah, to just tell me a little bit quickly about what you do with these um, skills weekends and also, yeah, start, start with that. You, the, these skills weekends, which I didn't um, actually know. Yeah. So it's just another part of what you offer. That's, that's really cool. What, what do you do on these weekends? Yeah, so they're based around, um, it's basically a crash course for women um, in adventure racing. So there's uh, there's three of us who um, facilitate the weekends and we all have different skills. So um, we've got someone who's got a lot of uh, orienteering background, um, Rach Smith, and then we've got um, Nick Leary who has a really strong mountain bike background. Uh, and then myself, who has done a lot of um, adventure racing and um, can fill a lot of gaps and add a lot of information in, in those areas. Um, so 
over two days. Saturdays largely focused on navigation theory and then navigation practical on foot. Uh, and then Sunday is mainly focused on the bike, so mountain bike maintenance, repairs, bike basic bike skills, and then bike navigation, which is obviously quite different to foot navigation. And then throughout the whole weekend, we covered uh, training, nutrition, transitions, uh, race gear, um, oh, yeah, uh, team roles, how to work together as a team um, and what the different roles are, um, the kayaking, the paddle strokes. Uh, this, <laughs> it's a pretty full-on weekend, so, yeah, we cover a fair bit of info. Yeah, that sounds really comprehensive, and it makes a lot of sense now because I've come through like a school system where you learn this stuff when you're at school, but then as soon as you leave school, you kind of just like dropped out on your own. And I'm lucky enough to be connected with the Orient chair and high performance system, which of course helps us to stay on, on that competitive path, but really don't know what happens to like everyone else out there. When you like, if you're not really connected to a high performance system, where do you go? Because everyone wants to upskill. That's not just something for, um, high performance people and it's not just something for school students and yeah people just I, I worry people just fall kind of into the abyss once they um, leave an environment that's like actively supporting them they've got to go seek out people like you so oh, that's great to hear that there are people like you out there that actually offer that service yeah yeah when um a friend suggested it to me who was just getting into adventure racing and i thought oh really would people be keen on that and um yeah apparently they are so <laughs> yeah there's just so <laughs> much awesome. to learn because we love it oh there is and you know it's taken it's taken us years to learn put all the info together um that we have and to be able to package that all up and offer it to someone who's just starting out you know they get like a five-year jump start on um everything that we've had to learn over the years so hopefully well and I, I know it is helpful because they say so so yeah yeah and i'm sure they experience so when like, you really make those fundamental improvements between having no idea and just getting the basics right it makes such a difference yeah, and that's it, the basics, just knowing the basics. Some, you know, a lot of them, they sign up to these races and they have no idea what, what they're in for. And um, <laughs> and it's it, a lot of it's just an eye-opener for them, but then it's so empowering for them. And I think that's the biggest kick that we get out of the weekends is how empowered everyone feels after it. And um especially with the bike, uh, the bike maintenance repairs mm. and skills, like that's an area that is really lacking. Um, and that a lot of women just, you know, they won't even deal, want to deal with their bike if there's something wrong with it. But to actually know that it's not that difficult, that they can, um, mm. you know, do some basic repairs and out on course, then, yeah, they just, they just buzz at that, which is really cool. Mm. you mentioned that there was this winter aspect to how uh, you're running the adventure retreats was that just early on or are you still doing uh, the winter side of things yeah so we've put a bit of a hold on that um over the lockdowns uh, that's been quite hard to plan for um but yeah we will be kicking those off again 
um, as well as the trail running ones as well. Mm. So, yeah, looking forward to adding those back in. Okay, so yeah, it sounds like you've got a few offerings there. So I want to know a bit more about the, the journey that some of these people go on when they are interested in adventure racing and they they come to you. What are the the kind of people who you are meeting for the, the first time? Where are they at in their in their journey? Yeah, well, everyone's a little bit different. Um, like I say, some people have been, I guess, signed up by their friends to a race um, and uh, they don't know what they're in for. They have no idea what they're about to do. They think they're just, you know, heading out for some, a fun day in the hills. Um, and right through to women who have maybe done six to eight races and they're they're really wanting to hone their navigation skills and, um, you know, they're feeling like they just haven't quite nailed certain aspects of their race and they want to get to the bottom of that. Um, so, yeah, we get sort of a few different levels um, come through. And, but you know, saying that even the intermediates get a lot out of going through the basics of navigation. Um, a lot of people haven't learnt navigation in a systematic way it's just been sort of ad hoc or grab a map and off you go and um, a lot of people are self-taught so to get the basics and go through the actual process of um, you know everything to do breaking the map down um, yeah through to route choice um, is really beneficial for both beginner and intermediate find and is that something that people find kind of intimidating at first or challenging, frustrating? How, how do people find trying to pick up navigation? And what what age typically are, are we dealing with here? What age range? Yeah. So it's quite interesting because you can see who gets it and who takes a little bit longer um, uh, quite quickly. And everyone is different in, in that aspect. Like some people just, it just clicks for them straight away. Some people, you know, they don't get it to the, to the second day or the end of the second day and something clicks and, and they're like, ah, oh, that's what you mean. Um, so yeah, everyone picks it up at a, at a different rate. We actually find, um, yeah, young ones actually pick it up really, really quickly. So we've had a few young girls come along and um, and whether it's like you say, because of the school system, they, they've been in the school system and they're used to learning and um, absorbing information uh, quite quickly. I don't know. But um, yeah, there's usually there's usually like a light bulb moment that seems to come on for people and, and they just um, get it at some stage. Um, and I mean, they don't all get it either. And not everyone in the team has to be a navigator. So they might not be there to be the main navigator. They might want to be working on the other skills, but it's still good for them to go through the process of, uh, of, learning and what is involved then they can't give the navigator a hard time if if they make a mistake out on course yeah that definitely fits my experience of coaching uh, school students and also people who are in a, a similar bracket to um, some of the people who go through your retreats there is just a huge range 
of um, yeah, I guess predispositions to picking up navigation. And you can see it a bit with the students, but they're they're normally yeah fairly quick to pick it up if they're interested. Um, whereas it's it's definitely had me um, you know rethinking my teaching approach. I'm trying to teach uh, adults actually. Uh, at first, when I was teaching uh, adults adventure navigation, I just went straight in with the typical orientarian stuff that I'd be teaching to like a 12 to 16 year old. And just finding that it didn't land quite as um, much as I expected it would. And, and so, yeah, it definitely caught me on the back, back foot and forced me to find new and better ways to explain uh, some of the techniques and um, better ways to pitch the challenge and yeah, they did, they def, there was definitely something um, I noticed. There was a big range. So, yeah, you've got to be real flexible as a, as a coach, I found, to mm. um, kind of keep everyone, you know, uh, just trying to learn together, but um, knowing that different people are learning at different rates. Yeah, it's a tricky one. Cool. So um, can you hear more about the experience that they that the um, clients, if you call them, go on? Uh, when they're at this early stage uh, adventure racing. So not necessarily just across the weekend that they get to uh, be on the retreat, but this early stage of getting into adventure racing and um, you know taking on these challenges that you start doing things on the weekend that you come to work on Monday and tell your colleagues about, and they like don't know what, just don't know what to make of it. Um, and there are people picking up this kind of lifestyle like in their thirties or forties. So can you give me some insight into just what it's like for them and what are they finding so captivating about adventure racing and uh, all the um, surrounding sports? Yeah, a lot of them, this is this is quite a new experience for them and um, it, what it is about the adventure. So it's about getting friends together and um, going out and doing something different, exposing themselves to something new. Um, a lot of them, I find the age, age, I guess the average age of women that we get along to our courses would be in their 40s, so mid to late 40s. So a lot of them, I guess they've maybe had, had kids and wanting to get back into some sport. And so this is something that, it ticks a lot of boxes for them because it's it's social. Um, it's something quite different. They have to actually, uh, you know, learn some new skills, whether it's the mountain biking, the navigation, or getting out in the hills. Um, yeah, and the, the races that are available now um, are in pretty special locations too. So uh, it's, for a lot of them, I guess it... Um, doubles as a bit of a holiday or a break as well um yeah so for a lot of people it does tick the boxes um for them yeah are people finding it transformative in other ways that are not directly obvious to the sport well i think adventure racing as a whole is a transformative sport um in terms of you grow quite a bit uh through the doing um, and it's very confidence building as well. A lot of people might start out adventure racing and think, Jesus, six hours, how am I going to get through that? Um, but when they actually realize it's, it's not that hard, they can do it. 
um, that's quite a confidence boost for them. And I think it is a very transformative sport in, in terms of building confidence. Um, and a, yeah, a lot of women, I guess, around that age may feel like they have lost themselves in some form um, after, you know, dedicating so many years to young children and um, having given up a lot of their own activities and um, sports and things that they used to do. So I guess it's, yeah, it's, it's like finding themselves again through adventure and building that confidence. Yeah. And there's a lot of different elements to that. There's that taking the self-control with the, the navigation, building that um, kind of self-reliance. And there's also, yeah, the, the physical aspect when the thought of a physical task seems really daunting, but having done it six hours and then nine hours and then 12 hours, it, it definitely changes how, how you think of your own capabilities. And I think a lot about just dealing with the unknowns and you're going out on a 12 hour race and some of it's going to be at nighttime and it's going to be long enough that someone hurts an ankle and just there's so many things that can go wrong. And I think if you're left to ponder all the things that can go wrong, it just seems like a ridiculous thing to even start. But then you hang out with some of the really experienced adventure <laughs> races and just like nothing phases them. Their, their confidence and their ability to improvise mm. and the optimism towards uh, things will buff out. We'll find a way to solve the problem. We'll find a way to solve problems we don't even know exist yet. Do you get to spend enough time with these people to notice <laughs> progress along that particular axis? Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. Um, yeah, I guess that's an area that we cover is, is the unknowns of adventure racing and what if, so what if a teammate gets injured? Are you going to carry on or do you pull out? Um, what if you break a derailleur? Um, are you going to know how to fix it or um, a broken spoke or uh, chain break? Um, is that going to be the end of your race or are you going to um you know learn these skills and know how to actually deal with that and, and carry on so yeah we do talk a lot about uh the things that that can go wrong um injuries mechanicals um getting lost uh, different things like that and how important it is like you say just to keep a level head um make those decisions that are best for the team um and move on from there um yeah yeah it is a large aspect of adventure racing you're right yeah i was interested just wondering whether you get to see them for long enough to you know see, see the progression it might just be one one weekend's just a bit of a slice and maybe you can't um really see the progression but i get i guess if they're coming back year upon year to to your to your retreat then you can just see them develop as you know someone who's very competent in the outdoors mm, yeah and we do have a few women that come back again as well um, because there is so much information to take on um, they may not have been ready to take it all on board and so they I think some of them feel like they need to come back and, and get a second wave of information that they're actually ready for um, 
And we have we have also talked about doing a um, adventure race skills two hundred one, where we sort of um, offer a bit more uh, up the ante, I guess, and offer a bit more detail and information for those who are ready. Because um, as a beginner, it is overwhelming. I think the amount of uh, the amount of info there is to learn about the sport and. Um, we can only do so much in one weekend so um, to be able to offer a um, part two is is quite appealing to a lot of people I know it's just finding those free weekends and the free time to be able to run those it's the challenge yeah I imagine after you've been doing this for a few years you're starting to build up a base of people who have been through the retreat and maybe been through twice and yeah would be ready for that 201 where you can go into detail and challenge a few of the things that you mm. taught in the, in the first edition. I'm also interested in some of the, um, the challenges that you face as a coach, I guess, um, on these retreats. Uh, are there a few examples where you've had like a particularly challenging individual who's, you know, maybe they've got their own challenges and are really determined to, um, to make the most out of the course, but it's um, put you in a, um, a tough position uh, as a you know as a coach who's trying to deal with multiple people at the same time. Not so much, no. And this is something that we find at the weekends is everyone seems to be very much on the same page, very open, uh, friendly, um, willing to learn. Um, yeah, we don't get too many. I'm just trying to rack my brain um, to think about any challenging um, personalities or. But no, it's everyone's been really awesome to deal with and really open uh, to learning and taking mm-hmm. everything on board. Um, yeah, they might. Oh, yeah. I guess the the difficult. Um, the most difficult uh, challenges are people turning up with bikes that aren't adequate. Um, yeah, like really just not <laughs> a mountain bike. Um, and that's that's probably the most challenge that we have to deal with, really. Uh, everyone's yeah, been awesome. Um, and I think it's the type of, type of person who's into adventure and adventure racing and um they're a little bit more open-minded aren't they and yeah i definitely think there's a selection filter um at the yeah at the very start there before people get interested in in this kind of sport and um the desire to you know put yourself in the unknown already comes with uh, a sense of um, openness and um, trust as well when you're you know putting your weekend schedule over to somebody who's maybe a lot fitter and a lot more experienced than you um, I've also been also been impressed by the the keenness of people who I've taken on uh, adventure navigation trainings. Uh, just their keenness to to give it a go uh, and to learn, and just to yeah to trust someone who you know never met to um, not not push them too hard and um, you know not make them uncomfortable. I've been yeah it's been a lot of fun. You mentioned that there's a yoga element uh, that's kind of been brought in. Um, maybe that's more, more the domain of 
um, your, your partner in this. Yeah, is that to tell me how that uh, fits in with the retreat? Uh, there is it like two kind of siloed parts? There's the, the working hard bit and the relaxation part, or is there some kind of you know, philosophical bridge between the two? Yeah, so the summer and winter retreats, um, they are, I guess, based on mindfulness. So uh, the yoga aspect is usually during the start or end of the day, uh, and then we have the activity during the day. Um, and so the the yoga and mindfulness, I guess, um, flows on into the activities that they're doing, the adventures. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it all works quite well together. There's, there's not, it's not really um, start the stop that. Um, mm. It kind of just all seems to flow from one thing to the next. And um, yeah, it's a great way to start the day, um, stretching and being mindful and then working your way into doing something a little bit more challenging and then winding down at the end of the day as well and reflecting. So yeah, it flows well. Is that connection made more explicit and, or, or do you kind of let people become just a little bit more self-aware and just notice some changes within themselves and leave it to them to um, decide what to do with their experiences? Yeah, so we incorporate journaling as well throughout the retreats um, and we talk about goals. Um, we do focus on goals as well and um, maybe what people are, where people are at and what they're wanting to work towards and bringing that mindfulness aspect to it. Um, yeah, so they are aware of, of the process and um how, what it's all sort of leading towards yeah 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 i guess it could be helpful just to point out some of the utility of of mindfulness and um, emotional regulation in adventure racing because you know it can obviously be um, very stressful even if it's just like your body and brain as a as an organ is under immense stress and then that leads to all sorts of um, emotional stresses um yeah, I guess it seems really useful to point out the utility of, of mindfulness for really any highly demanding sport. Um, but that's interesting that you've actually mm -hmm. taken the step to present the two uh, side by side. And yeah, I'd, like I'd love, to, I'd love to, yeah, I'd love to go <laughs> and see, yeah, see yeah. How, how you're, how you're doing it because I haven't really seen um, anyone do that. And yeah, I'm just, interested in how you piece the two together whether you make it you know learning mindfulness and trying to apply it or you just kind of wind it back a little bit and just give people a, a taste but uh, yeah that's, that sounds quite interesting to combine those elements and yeah it's just stuff that I've, I've certainly quite interested in and found very useful in in my own sport as well so yeah definitely buy into that way of doing it so that's cool yeah, that's brilliant so um, where, where can people find more about uh, New Zealand Adventure Retreats and what should they be looking forward to once, uh, you know, attending events is a little more convenient? Mm, yeah, so uh, we have a website, uh, New Zealand or NZ Adventure Retreats.com. 
and Facebook as well, NZ Adventure Retreats. Uh, and yeah, um, well, we've got, we have the Women's Adventure Race Skills Weekends throughout the year. So uh, mainly in the North Island, well, only in the North Island, uh, Kapiti, Hawke's Bay, Taupo and Auckland are our main locations. And then, yeah, we'll be kicking off the trail running retreats and summer and winter retreats again once things are hopefully back to normal soon. Um, so, yeah, they'll all be listed on the website and Facebook page. Cool. Yeah, I definitely encourage people to um, check it out because, yeah, as you mentioned, there's this um, groundswell in um, kind of beginner and intermediate adventure races at the moment. And, yeah, you must be one of the, the few people out there who's actually um, providing that uh, support and just really crucial support, right? Like this is quite quite a tough set of skills that have to be learned. Mm. And, yeah, it must be so hard to... Um, yeah to know where to go to get those skills so yeah you're doing something really important so yeah i wish you really good luck with um the future of new zealand adventure retreats and it sounds like yeah you've got some attention from overseas so really optimistic yeah thanks jane yeah we're really excited about getting run wild retreats over and um showing them the awesome terrain around new zealand to run so um hopefully that will happen november if uh borders are open by then we'll have to wait and see cool okay thanks kim awesome cheers jane great chat if you're enjoying the perfect flow podcast and want more value from it in the future there are some ways you can support it the first is to rate or leave a positive review on itunes spotify google podcast stitcher or other platforms where it's available The second is to share this podcast or specific episodes on social media or with friends. The third is to get involved more directly through the Perfect Flow page on Facebook, where I'm trying to construct a more interactive community. I want Perfect Flow to belong to the listeners, and if you tell me what topics you're most interested in, or even suggest specific guests, I'll do my best to make it happen. This is your opportunity to be part of something that answers your questions and adds value to your life. Another good reason to follow Perfect Flow on Facebook is that I post links to episodes, blog posts, and anything I find useful to this page. It's a great way to follow my training, racing, and learning. Another great way to stay engaged is to subscribe to genebeverage.nz. This way you will get podcasts and blogs emailed to you, avoiding the clutter of Facebook. I don't know where this project will take us, but the reception so far has been positive. Who knows where we might be in a few years?